going on another episode of Old Heads Podcast. Got a very powerful person in the room tonight, other day. Uh, now, when I when I first when I first met this this guy, um, I asked him how his day was. Um, he asked me why I asked him that, and I was like, "That's just a, that's just a, a question that that's how to build rapport with somebody." <laughs> and he was like, "Man, I'm always good. I'm always good." Um, and as we dove into the conversation, dove into more of a conversation, um, I realized why he has that mindset. Um, today, a lot of us uh, we're, we're trying to get our hands on a couple different things, uh, or we're just trying to do more for ourselves. Um, but we, we're not sure what that really looks like. And this guy is a is a is a is a very influential person, um, and he's somebody that helps you get to where you want to be and reach that maximum potential. Um, Fruki, you got anything before we, we let him take the floor? No. Uh, like I always say, just take notes, have an open heart, open ears, and take something out of this. I am Grayson Marshall, Jr. I am, uh, I've been in radio and TV and podcasting for, I don't know, 20 years, maybe. Right. I've been working for myself for 30 years. I've okay. really never worked for anybody else. Um, my mind, as a former athlete, uh, obviously, you can see about my hat. I'm a Clemson Tiger, so uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, receive a scholarship to Clemson, a uh, basketball scholarship. So I was in the uh, ACC All Rookie Team. Uh, I was named, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame 2009, named an ACC Legend in 2016. So I had a storied career, um, named 25 greatest players of all time. So when I look back at my history of sports success, it's documented. Uh, graduated in four years, but I was homeless at 27. Mm. So I think that's a um, that's an understanding or a misunderstanding of how life goes. Correct. You would think that um, having a college scholarship, being a recognized athlete, and apparently having what on paper is the prototypical resume for success was right there. However, school teaches me what the world doesn't, mm-hmm. and I have to live in the world. Right. So as documented I was as prepared as I appeared to be um, when it came down to what the world was asking of me I had no idea right my mother was a principal my father was a teacher my sister's the current head of online education for the Department of Defense so I grew up in a family that was very very um, adamant about education uh, enunciation being able to command English language that was one of the things my mother always made sure that if nothing else be able to talk Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that I made it a point to be able to do is be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. I knew for a fact that I didn't want to be in education. Unfortunately, that's what I do now anyway. So it's kind of, right. you can't run from what you are gifted to do, but I didn't want to do it their way. Right. So literally, I wanted to own I wanted to own businesses. I was a soap opera junkie growing up. So I used to watch soap operas all the time. And the essence of watching soap operas, or the image that I got from soap operas, were guys that were in control, that were running things, making decisions. And that was kind of who I was as a point guard. Mm-hmm. As a point guard, I was the floor general. I was the coach on the floor. I was making things happen. Right. Even as a freshman, I was giving leadership to seniors. You mm-hmm. know. So it was it was something that was kind of built in my DNA anyway. Is this is what this is what I do? And it doesn't matter whose age whose age or who may be further along than me, mm-hmm. I seem to have the wherewithal to be able to initiate, execute, and then able to fix what, what doesn't work. Right. I couldn't do that when I got out into the world. Mm-hmm. 
the world operates by a different set of rules that they don't teach me in school. Right. So all the wherewithal, all the effort, all the work, all the discipline, I had all those things. That was not a problem. Getting up for somebody, working harder than somebody, that's easy. Right. But it's just like I tell folks about playing poker, right? If we sit down to play poker and Farouk is playing five-card draw and we playing Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. he knows I play poker. Right. We just not playing five card draw. Right. But he's frustrated because poker, to him, is poker. Mm-hmm. We got a different set of rules over here. Mm-hmm. So he's wondering why I'm not winning. Because mm-hmm. the rules different. Right. So he's frustrated because I'm playing poker. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, but if I'm not winning. Why? Because the rules are different. It's the same thing in life. The rules are completely different. Right. Successful people live by a different set of rules. Mm-hmm. They're taught different things. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're willing to learn what's what's different. Unfortunately, you guys' generation has been very entitled. You guys' generation doesn't want to listen to anybody. And you all, by nature, are emotional people. Right. So when it comes to emotion, emotion totally diffuses critical thinking. Mm. And to become successful in life, it takes you having to have an understanding of critical thinking. I can't think emotionally. If you become an investor, you cannot invest emotionally. Right. You can't do it. You'll lose every time. Yeah. Everything that comes, you can't run a business emotionally. Mm-hmm. You have to really look at stuff. So, again, we are not taught to do the things that we maybe would actually like to do just because of the fact we've been trained a different way. So, you guys take the fact that you've been indoctrinated into emotional narratives. Mm-hmm. Then you take the fact that the education that you're getting is insufficient for what you want to do out there. Mm. There's no wonder why there's frustration in what it is. And there's no wonder why there's an apparent recklessness in some of the things that young people do. And it's not because they're not, they're trying, but they're trying without all the information. Mm -hmm. So like, look, I know that don't work. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do this. Well, you can't do that because you don't know what the ham flat you're doing over there. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out what you're doing over there. So again, they're throwing mud at the wall and see what sticks and then they get completely frustrated. Mm -hmm. So we've got to, we've got to work on a way of, and this is what I love doing with former athletes and former people that are in transition. I love to be able to get them in a place where here's how you can fix this. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people willing to do that. But it's what I'm gifted to do. It's, it's what I do. So working with people that are in that place of indecision, that valley of I'm frustrated. Here's how we work through that. Right. And then they have to be able to understand that their frustration is on is on them. Mm-hmm. We talked about this yesterday. You asked me what was one of the key things about personal development. Right. And I told you the very first key of personal development is ownership. You cannot personally develop if you don't own where you are today. Right. No excuses, no explanations. So it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you came from Stark or if you came from Chicago. Mm-hmm. The fact that it matter, it doesn't matter if you were affluent or you were poverty. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you got to own where you are today. Right. No excuses, no explanations. Mm-hmm. Because the hand you got to play the hand you were dealt as if it was the one you were given. Mm-hmm. If it's the one you wanted. Mm-hmm. This is the hand I wanted. Right. right. So when we look at where we are, you look at the success of people. Nine times out of ten, it's overcoming adversity. Sometimes the great adversity is the greater the story. Right. So we look at where we start. It's not about where you start. It's where you finish. Mm-hmm. So we have to really assess where we are. I got to own where I am today. No excuses, no explanations. I remember talking to Mark Brunel one time. And Mark told me, he said, Grayson, I wish you to come into my life 20 years ago. And I said, and I was sharing with him the essence of the mindset of where we are as people. As a quarterback, Mark played in the, played in the league 19 years. He was drafted to be heir apparent to Brett Favre. He came from a good family, played in Washington. 
at the end of the day, he lost $50 million. Mm. Financially, went through some things. And I said, Mark, I said, let's look at this. I said, the years that you play, I said, you got a Super Bowl ring. You've done all this stuff. I said, in all those years, how many times did something happen on the field that wasn't good that you came to the sidelines with an excuse? <laughs> he said, never. I said, you know why? Because you wouldn't have played. I can't put you out there if that's the way. I'm looking at Kobe and Michael and LeBron right now. There's not one of those guys that ever blamed something on somebody else. Right. They wanted to level, to lift up, because here's where I'm going to play. But they're not going to say, it's y'all. I can't blame this on nobody else. Mm. You can't get to where you want to get to. Three of the greatest of all time. Play with some phenomenal play. But again, they owned every part of it. Every loss was on them. Every loss was on them. So the mindset that you that you have to have to apex and to grow in those places, ownership has got to be the first thing. And unfortunately, excuses seem to override ownership. I'm glad you're talking about ownership. Mm-hmm. I feel like the aspect of ownership also goes hand in hand with perspective. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right perspective, you're coming from a place of it's on them, not on me, mm-hmm. right? You're not doing that mirror check. So the question is for millennials, Jarvis, I, folks in the mid twenties, early thirties, how do we get out of, how do we shift our perspective from saying this was the, you know, hand I was dealt, poor me to this was the hand I was dealt. How do I leverage this? How do I flip this? How do I still utilize this to get to where I want to go? You said it's about the right perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's about perspective, period. What you said, and I talked to Jarvis about it yesterday. We live in a world about right or wrong. There really is no right or wrong. It's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. So when we say the right perspective, again, we're in that same mindset. We think that there's a wrong perspective. Tracking. Everything that I say and my foundation for everything that I do is faith-based. So there's a verse of scripture in the Bible. It says, Romans 8 and 28. says, all things work together for the good, for them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. It says all things. It doesn't say some things. Mm. It don't say a few things. It doesn't say a couple things. It says all things. Yes, sir. So if all things are working together for your good, how is there a wrong decision? You just made a decision. So from that decision, here's what you have. Results and restarts. Mm. I keep life simple when it comes down to it. Whatever decision you make is not a wrong one. It's just the one you made. Now assess it. What were the results? Did you get what you wanted? Was it beneficial? No, didn't restart. The beautiful part about that is there's a freedom in living. Here's the reality. You're going to make mistakes. You, you, that's, that's just the way it is. And I told, I told, I was telling Jarvis yesterday, the reality of it is we're the only society that plays big for failure. Mm. I'll take sports. And I use sports as an analogy all the time. The best baseball players in the world get out seven out of ten times. They get out twice as much as they get hit. Sure. And they make $350 million. What kind of business? I'm in that. Why not? The best basketball players in the world. Steph Curry just set the record for most three-pointers made in a career. Mm-hmm. He still misses six out of ten. Yeah. He misses more than he makes. And they pay him stupid money to fail. Right. <laughs> if we get into a mindset of it's okay. See, school taught you that failure was bad. Mm-hmm. So guess what you want to avoid almost at all costs? Failure. So what they didn't, they didn't teach you to fail, they taught you how not to succeed. So you're out here trying not to fail, and in essence, you're subconsciously literally not succeeding. Wow. So when we talk about right perspective, it's a perspective because we accept 
the way education is given to us as the right way. Or we look at everything as good or bad. No such thing. It's perspective. You know what I'm saying? So so we have to be, we have to, it's again, your ownership and your onus to reframe it. If you look at it and say it's bad, it's bad. If you look at it and say it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter what he says about it. Mm-hmm. How are you framing it? The problem is we want people to co-sign on our framing. We want affirmation on how we frame it. Right. As opposed to, this is how I see it. Every successful person in the world saw it differently than everybody else. Sure. They saw it differently. So when, when you look at it, it's got to be, no, nah, that, that's how y'all see it. I said this way. I told you yesterday. The crowd is always wrong. Mm-hmm. When I see everybody doing something, I'm going this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like right, like right now, there's a, the young generation is jumping into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. They're running crazy on Bitcoin. <laughs> right. Okay, go do it. Here's my thing. I'm going to say this with as much love. When it comes down to finances, black America has never probably been the most astute when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. So when I see all y'all running for Bitcoin, I'm running another way. <laughs> and I'm not mad at you for doing it. And I hope that you succeed at it. Sure. The reality of it is, is that over the history, I can look at this and say, no, that don't work usually. Right? So the other thing is that Bitcoin is still a fiat currency. Our regular money ain't backed by nothing since 1974. Mm. When we were taking off the Brenton Woods system of government in 1973, Nixon put us on the gold standard and took us off. We were on the gold standard then. Took us off in 71. Mm -hmm. So if we're off in 71, what we got in our pocket ain't been back since 1971. You think in 2021 you will give me something I can't even grab tangibly and tell me that's back? I'm all for it. Go for it. I could be totally wrong. Maybe I am. But in my mind, here's the way I have to assess it. And again, this isn't a knock on people. I got good friends of mine that do it. I actually have some, but I don't stake it as my life. I don't stake it as this is where I'm all in. No, because if it changes tomorrow, if a different crypto comes out tomorrow and they say, I don't want the Bitcoin, we're going to do this. Oh, y'all got Bitcoin. It's no good. Right. So again, it's the mindset of understanding what perspective is. And it is what you, but you have to be willing to risk it. Yes, sir. You have to be willing to take that chance and not worry about what somebody else says. We live in this world. Think about this. From the time you were little kids, affirmation was something that you you, you longed for. You wanted to get the gold star on your piece of paper. Mm -hmm. You wanted to get the hundred on your, you. That's what you want to be. You want to be up on the the board. That's what we've always sought that. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, is that that's a false sense of security. Right. Because it's just somebody else's opinion. Right. You got all these gold stars. You got in the world. The world will tell you behind up. No affirmation. Because the world ain't going to get you. Correct. No, they're not. They're not. Again, because we live in a world where we're not in association and assimilation. We're in competition. So then we keep beating ourselves up. Correct. And if I can teach you to beat yourself up by yourself, leave it alone. Like I remember growing up playing basketball, there was always one dude on the court that was self-checked. You talking about his game, you ain't got to guard him no more. Go ahead, shoot, man. Go ahead, go ahead. Beat himself. Correct. And so when, so that's what society tends to do to us. Mm. It tends to allow you to, they don't beat you up. They just let you beat yourself up mm. and leave you alone. Right. And so you now don't have a way, a resource or the capacity, or you've diminished it based on how you see yourself. When in essence, you've got nothing in you but greatness. I did my podcast this morning. was about abundance abuse. Mm-hmm. And what I talked to people about was this. You have everything at your disposal. But if you don't use it, you're abusing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got all we got all the love, all the forgiveness, all the grace, all the resources, all the opportunity, all the time, but we don't use it. 
Right. And so we look at the one thing that didn't work and the two things that didn't work and we focus on that. So you're here with all this abundance. Right. You're abusing abundance. Right. Why are you looking at this when you got all this to do? Yeah. And this is so this is the concept of mind that we stay in and it's non-productive for us. And yet we try to make it work. Mm -hmm. Because we want our emotions to connect with us because ego has to ego can never be wrong and the security has to be right. Mm -hmm. Ego is your tradition. Ego is what you know to be right based on what you know. And that has to be right. Right. I believe in this. It has to be right. Insecurity. Insecurity can't be wrong. Ego can't be wrong. Insecurity has to be right. So when you don't have what you want here and I become insecure and I become questioning, I become worrying. I got to validate that. And that's where excuses come. Because mm. insecurity has got to be right. Because mm -hmm. that's where I'm living. Right. I'm not living in faith. I'm living in fear. Yes, sir. So insecurity is fear. So I've got to validate this insecurity. I've got to be able to explain why I feel this way. Because I know I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But I do. Now, before we move on from finances, uh, when we spoke about finances, you, you always tell, you told me uh, one thing you don't like about people and finances is we'll risk our money into the market, something we can't control, but we won't ri we won't spend time on ourselves, something mm -hmm. that we can't control. Mm -hmm. So, go ahead, talk if you elaborate a little bit on your perspective on just finances and people and getting yourself in order before you try to go out here and invest in something because you're going to treat your investments the way you treat yourself. No question. So go ahead go ahead and talk about that. A little well, I've shared with you um, in the book of Luke, I was talking to you about what Jesus said to Peter. Mm -hmm. He told Peter, he said, Peter, the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed in your stead that your faith fail you not. And when you be lifted up, reach back and strengthen the brother. You got to get yours first. What we try to do is we try to bring people mm. with us. No. Harriet Tubman, I told you yesterday, Harriet Tubman didn't take anybody with her when she first went to become a free slave. Because right. I don't know how y'all going to feel. Y'all might trip out on me. Y'all start screaming, get nervous. When I'm going by myself. Mm. Right. I can trust myself. I'm going to get over here. Right. Now, she went over there and came back. Proof that it can be done. And her own family didn't want to go back. So she to try to drag all them over with her. Put, their, put her mindset on theirs when they weren't ready for it. Matter of fact, they didn't even want it. She would have been held up and not done what she needed to do. Mm. So what you got to do is you got to get yourself in order. Mm. You got to reassess your association. You become who you hang around. And you become what you think about. Whatever you think about, you bring about. So who are you, who do you have in your circle that are healthy relationships in the direction that you want to go? And oftentimes... The seeking out of that information is usually outside of your normal circle, often outside of your age bracket, right? So you said to me yesterday, yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take up too much time. And I told you, my time is my time. You can't take up too much. You can't take up anything that I don't allow you to take up. Right. But people have this almost reservation about engaging because maybe he might be too busy. He don't want to talk to me. The reality of it is, is that everybody who's been successful has a responsibility and obligation to give back. We don't actually get people that want to give back because they don't want to come talk to us. Mm -hmm. So now we're frustrated because we can't do what we're supposed to do because folks won't even come and ask us because mm -hmm. they have this, well, he's too busy. I don't know if she will even tell him. She might, I can't get him. Try. <laughs> right. Life's about results and restarts. Again, failure is a concept that sits so heavy on us in so many places, we don't realize how much it influences us. Right. I told you one of the verses of scriptures that, that, I, that I stand by because, it, to me, it really uh, highlights why people aren't successful. And it's Mark 7 and 13. It's the tradition of man 
that makes the word of God in any effect. What we practice, what we have embraced as proper protocol makes the word of God in any effect. Because almost everything we do is counter to what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. Almost everything we do. Mm-hmm. So it keeps us from being who we need to be, who we can become, what we want to become. So I think there's a there's a big piece of ownership for an application that should marry, but don't. If you own, then you will apply. It's the, e- it's the easiest relationship in the world. If I buy a house, I own it. I got to do the stuff to keep my house. But if I'm just renting, man, I do enough to keep it all right until I don't lose my deposit. You know what I mean? It's, right. a, it's a whole different mindset. So when you take ownership, you got an owner's mentality or a renter's mentality. Mm-hmm. Just like when you go, y'all been out of town to rent a car? Yes, sir. Right. How you treat that rent a car? <laughs> just enough to make sure they don't take my deposit. You're right. <laughs> but when you got your car, you buy your first car with your money. Oh, you chill. I walked to your house. Right. <laughs> Take shoes off, player. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, that because you care about your house. Right. There's a there's an approach you. I want to preserve my stuff. Can you just do this, please? You have a different mindset when it's your place. Right. When you take ownership of something, whether it's your dress, whether it's anything, when you have a belief about who you are and you want to own that in a compelling way, you handle things differently. It oftentimes offends people. Because other people want to live in a different way. You got to ask yourself, how do you want to live? What do you want to do? How do you want to be? What do you want your results to be? Yes, sir. And when you get that, it's a whole different life. You know, that's pretty powerful. Before we migrate from, you know, finance to other aspects, I want to talk about risk. Okay. A lot of people are so risk averse, like you said, because we're so afraid to fail. We're so afraid to shoot. Mm-hmm. That we just say, I'd rather not even do it mm-hmm. and live with that. It almost reminds me of the parable in Matthew mm-hmm. of the men and the many talents, right? Mm-hmm. The servants with many talents. Mm-hmm. One was given five, another was given yada yada, one mm-hmm. was given one. Mm-hmm. The one that was given one stored it, and buried it. Mm-hmm. The master came back and rebuked him. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that story and I said, when I was when I was younger, I said, why, why would he rebuke him? At least he preserved what the master gave him. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 10 years later, now I, I now understand why that was the wrong thing to do. I now understand why I feel like we were given, you know, a spirit to multiply. No question. Why are we not working or operating in that realm? Because we've been trained not to. Mm-hmm. Again, everything, everything that is biblical is totally anti the world. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. I was talking to him about I was talking to Jarvis yesterday about Ecclesiastes eleven and two. Ecclesiastes eleven and two in the Bible, go read it. It says we should have seven to eight streams of income. It says it right there. How many do they teach us to have in school? One. <laughs> I mean, completely. So so watch this. When you start doing more, they tell you that you are crazy. Mm. They tell you greedy. You you, you 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 greedy or you oh, man you all over the place. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I'm doing Bible stuff, but because they are entrenched in, ingrained in one way, the 40-40-40 plan, work 40 hours a week, 40 years of your life, and when you retire, they give you a $40 watch. Right. That's what they are. They stuck in there. Stuck yeah. on stupid, nangling on dumb. And wonder why they live in paycheck to paycheck. Because you got that mindset. Right. I was just sharing with you yesterday. A lot of young people say, I'm an entrepreneur. No, you're not. <laughs> you're a small business owner. <laughs> an entrepreneur has a completely different approach. <laughs> Completely. But we again, we say things that sound cool. Right. We know where words or we think words belong, but we don't really know what they mean. Mm. An entrepreneur has multiple streams of income, mm. not one or two. 
And you cannot be an entrepreneur if you're dependent on your nine to five. Let me just throw that at you. Because your nine to five is your safety blanket. Entrepreneurs don't do nine to five. They put it all out there. Why? Because their faith is in what they're going to do. Mm. I'm not knocking you for having a nine to five and doing your side hustle as a small business owner. But you're not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is willing to lose and risk everything. You're not willing to do that if you're holding on to a nine to five. Mm. Now, you're doing that because you have some reservations. You're not all in. I'm not telling you it's not a good practice. I'm saying that, that you're not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is willing to live out of his car when it don't work. Right. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, what a, that's the mindset of an entrepreneur. They don't care what other people think. I was homeless at 20. I was homeless at 27 because I threw it all in. I threw it all in C-band satellites. I don't know if y'all even old on the remote. No, but they used to have big white satellites. I know you just seen the start. Yeah. They had the big white satellites used to be out in the yeah. field right. before they had cable. <laughs> right. right. So we got in that business. We were killing it. Right. right. Rural areas, cable wasn't out there yet. We were killing them. Give them, the, put them, out there. Give them a thousand channels. They were happy as I don't know what, right? Yeah. Put a little antenna on the house so they get local channels. Right. Six months later, direct TV. Dang. Again, never under assessing business, never looking at forecasted technology, not understanding, like the sons of Issachar in the book of Chronicles, understanding the times and knowing what to do. I, did, I was just, look, did we out here. Killed our business, right? So, again, learning the hard way. But, okay, I sleep on your couch. I'll do this for a minute. That's what I have to do. So there's a different mindset when it comes to it, and we have to really begin to assess and understand who we are and what we're doing when it comes down to it. Mr. Grayson, how did you recover from that? Recover from? Failure 27. You still got to go get, still got to do 28. Life ain't over yet. You know, I think, again, it's about perspective. But as an athlete, Farouk, I never gave up. You know what I mean? So you can lose a game. You can play a game where you played your best and get beat on a buzzer beater. You did everything you could mm -hmm. and still lost. Okay. I got to go back and get another day. Kobe hit 81. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's so many times that those guys that I'm looking at have done everything and still came up short. Just a little bit short. It's not about, because here's a here's how you recover, Farouk, because it's not the end. I still got tomorrow. I'm still breathing. There's still more to do. Mm. And I think, again, it's about perspective. That's why my podcast is called Change Your Perspective. It's about perspective. How do you look at this? And that, for me, it's like I'm not done yet. Gotcha. I'm not finished with it. Even though... I poured everything into it, even though it felt like it was supposed to be the right thing. It was, God, this, oh, this look good. Didn't work. Okay. I'm getting closer. And again, it's all about how you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Yes, sir. Now, life, uh, one thing you say that sticks with me mm -hmm. is life being chances and, and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And every day is another chance. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't take advantage of it. Uh, so as far as waking up tomorrow, and just today, how, how can we tackle this day and, and be the best at it? You got another chance. And when you get a chance, chances come by choices. Again, what am I doing with today? Right. We got 24 hours in the day. And people tell me, if, if people tell me this all the time. Man, I can't, I don't have enough time. I said, well, don't, don't worry about it. You'll never be successful. <laughs> You're not going to get any more time. Do you, yeah. you realize that, right? <laughs> right. You don't, 24 is all you get. Hmm. So why, I, I don't have enough time. If you can't do it in 24... Yeah, don't do it. Nah. So again, mindset, ideologies, things that we we say some things that cripple us mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. We say some things. Every day I wake up, I have a chance. Because I have a chance, that will involve me making choices. What am I doing with the chance I have? That's that's what it comes down to. Are you maximizing the chance? 
And I told you the other thing too is that understanding that faith drives what I do. I consider God my business partner, not my boss. Okay, so here's the deal: if you have a business partner, you two, you two guys are close. Y'all doing a podcast, right? You know what he's doing. He knows what you're doing. Right. You trust him. He trusts you mm-hmm. because you know what he's doing. You can see it. I got a business partner that I can't see. He don't tell me what he's doing. He don't tell me when he's gonna do it. Now, why do I trust him? Because he got all the money in the world. He never slumbers or sleeps. He works when I'm not. Here's the problem. I don't let him do anything. I'm out trying to do everything. Mm. If you two had a business and you trying to do everything, what you need him for? You don't want to do everything. It's not healthy to do everything, so you give him some responsibility. Well, God's the same way. But we don't want to give him any responsibility. He wants some responsibility. Tell me what you need. But we're trying to do everything. Correct. And he's going to do it when he wants to do it. Other problem. He's not going to do it when you need him to do it. Mm. When you want him to do it. Correct. And that's the so that's the problem. Now, if, you, if he didn't do what you want to do when you want to do it, hey, y'all go bicker and fight. How you going to fight with somebody you can't... He ain't even around. How you going to fight with him? But we get into the space where we get stagnant because we're wanting him to do something. So half the time I do stuff, I'm not doing anything. I'm letting him do stuff. I got to walk this thing out by faith. More happens to me on the golf course than it does when I'm doing stuff. Mm. I'm glad you said that. Because he working on it. Right. Now, so that's your that's your, that's your your cool down place. We, mm-hmm. We'll just say it. So we do all this stuff throughout the day. We running at 100 miles an hour, and we don't take no time Mm-mm. to just reflect and, and, and journal and read and write and, and just think. I did. I was at yoga this morning, 930. I was up this morning reading and doing meditation. I was probably up at 4, 4.30 doing meditation. Um, I actually at night do sleep meditation. I turn it on to go to sleep. I'll get a meditate. I did yoga this morning. I'm here with you all today. I made some golf balls before the game tonight. I got to do a Zoom or two, but it's on my time. I don't worry about what's not getting done. I do what I need to do, and we have this thing. I got to be busy. I got people say that. Man, I got to be busy. I got to be doing something. I feel like man, I'm, I'm sitting right now. Let, give yourself a minute. Mm-hmm. You got to take some investment in yourself. You got to do some stuff for you. But again, you can't do that because you don't have the faith that you need. You're still operating by works. You're still operating by what you can do. And your ability, talent is finite. Why? Because you got to sleep. He never slumbers or sleep. Give him something to do. Mm-hmm. He up all the time. But it's about faith. And what we don't have is that. We tend to have more faith in man. And I'm going to tell you, man will let you down every single time. So really, it's about understanding where my heart, mind, and soul truly need to be positioned. And unfortunately, the system that we grew up in makes us dependent on it. Right now, our government wants us dependent on them. They want to get they want to get rid of all your individuality and they want you to be dependent on them. Slowly but surely. Mm. I ain't never gonna be dependent on the government. Don't trust y'all. That's me. I don't ask people to feel that way. Sure. That's just me. When all this went down two years ago, I wasn't worried about it. Well, I'm worried about it. I don't need y'all to do nothing for me. I'm gonna find something to do. This is opportunity. Everybody looked at it as as a bad I, I got something to do. How can I get into this space? Where's the opening here? Where's the financial opportunity here? Because there is one. 
All I gotta do is find it and make money in it. Everybody else, oh, I'm giving my stimulus check. I'm sitting around tonight. Y'all do that. <laughs> that ain't me. Sure. What is it? What am I gonna do? I don't know yet. I'll find it. You know, that was the mindset when it happened. I don't know. But as soon as you start putting your feet to your face, stuff show up, people show up, opportunities show up, you take advantage of them. No, you said people. Mm-hmm. That's a very important word. In order to be successful, I feel like it depends on who you're surrounding yourself with. You even Correct. said that Correct. when we commenced the podcast. Can you take five or ten minutes and really saturate us in regards to the importance of the people in your life, whether it be friends, whether it even be your own family, mm-hmm. right? The Bible talks about Joseph. You don't know who's in your camp, even your own family. Mm-hmm. And then particularly relationships with significant others. Mm-hmm. So can you can you kind of dive more into that and uh, how that affects us consciously or subconsciously? Association is a, uh, like simple math. People either add to your life, multiply your life, divide your life, or subtract from your life. The only people you need in life are the ones that add and multiply. So it doesn't matter who they are. Again, results and restarts. I evaluate what they are giving, adding to my life, are they multiplying my life? Mm-hmm. If not, don't need you. And it's hard for people, especially in minority settings, because family is everything. So we will hold on to relationships and connection because that's my family. Uh, I love y'all. Uh, I'm going to go do what Grayson got to do. That's just what that is. And you have to, you truly have to understand that when it comes down to it. Are they going to get mad? Yeah, they're not mad at you. They're mad at that they don't have the same intestinal fortitude. They're challenged because they're not thinking like you. Mm-hmm. So they want to project that on you. When in essence, they should literally be happy that you're doing your thing. But we're not. Because we don't want to leave. Don't leave us. We got to stay here together. Okay, we well, all go ahead and do that. I, I'm a, that's why I don't live in D.C. That's where your family's from? That's where I'm born and raised. Both my parents have passed on and gone to be the Lord. But when I got out of school, I'm not staying here. I'm gone. I know what this is going to do. And I can always come back and do this. Uh-uh. I can't do this. So when you look at those things, when you look at significant others, the same way. People have to line up with where you're going. Now, will you always get perfect people? Dr. Miles Monroe said, fellas, you will never get a finished woman. Yeah. understand that. Yeah. Right. You won't. I love Dr. Monroe. Uh, that's, my, that's my guy. Yes, Before sir. he passed, I mean, he and I spent good times together. But the reality of it is that understanding what you're facing. But in order for you to have that person, you got to be fully invested in you and like I told you yesterday it was something I had to grow to learn because I grew up with shame I grew up with shame because of my skin color mm. so the first time I experienced prejudice of any kind was not from white America it was from my own people being dark skinned in the 70s didn't work all the red Negroes got it in mm-hmm. they, everybody wanted the red Negroes well I had a double problem because I was dark skinned with kind of red Negro hair I had curly hair so mm-hmm. I was double oh you Indian you know, shut up you know, that was that. That was, but it, it, I wore it for so Clowning long. every day. Exactly. And I wore it for so long when I didn't understand why my own folks were doing that. Right. right. So um, I had to, I had to really understand how to live right that. And I didn't do it right because all I did was hide it in something else. So where I hit it is in sports. My gift was that I was just athletically better than all y'all. I could out swim you, I could out run you, I could out throw you, I could out whatever. So when you started running your mouth, I'm going to go find some sport for us to play. But it never resolved the personal feeling inside. Mm-hmm. So that took a while. I got into, I was married for 20 years, interracial. And I really believed that subconsciously that had an effect on that night. But that's nothing to say about how, how I felt about her. But I think subconsciously did that because I didn't want my kids to go through that. Mm-hmm. When in essence, I created a different scenario for biracial kids. 
mm-hmm. because now they had a different thing to deal yeah. with, right? So fortunately for them, they made a choice early, so they never felt the pull. But the reality is, the situation that was created was not what I wanted for them, right? So because of what I went through, I went to make concessions somewhere else and created its own little you know, dynamic problem. So for me, um, I had to really get to where, okay, I had to fight the the thoughts of what's wrong with me. You look back in the mirror like, I'm a good dude. What, what is it? And it, you had to get to a place that it's not me. It's other people. Mm. But for so long, the approval of other people is such a need for us and it's such a measuring tool for where we are that we seek that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to seek the true essence of your individuality mm-hmm. every single day. And I'm not talking about just dressing different. Some people, again, hide it that way. They want to dress different, want to get into a different mood so they can, all you're doing is rallying yourself into a different group that has the same shortcomings as you. <laughs> They have the same. They have the same insecurities as you. You just now have found another group that's got the same insecurities. You start to feel better. Right. You've got to be the person that's as strong and as confident as you should be, because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, sir. Now I want to circle circulate around the idea of sometimes leaving your family, mm-hmm. especially in the African American community. That is so hard for us to do, because like you said, family is everything. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a. Not me personally, but this are pe- these are people's reasons. I grew up with a single mom, a single dad. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest of six, seven kids. Mm-hmm. I can't just leave my people. But in hindsight, our defiance or refusal to leave might be what's you know delaying our blessings mm-hmm. or our progress. How do we mitigate that? How do how do we how do we reform that? Chances and choices. I keep it simple. Every day you have a chance. What choice are you going to make? Is the choice to be with your family greater than what God has for you? If it is, okay. Why are you mad about it? See, here's what happens. We know it's not. That's why we get mad. We know what we're supposed to be doing, so we get frustrated with what we're not doing. Hmm. If what you're doing can bring you peace, okay. If it don't bring you peace, that's not what you should be doing. But we don't want to deal. Again, it's about ownership. How do you really feel? We don't want to tell someone that because we are concerned about what it's actually going to or may cause outside of where we are. We want to hurt somebody's feelings. Mm -hmm. Well, they need to grow up. By now, they don't know you love them. You questioning my love now all of a sudden because I'm trying to do my own thing? Now all of a sudden, I don't love you? What about the last 20 years I've been in? I ain't loved you then? Again, it's got nothing to do with you. And what you have to really understand is that's their stuff. You can't carry other people's stuff. And get to where you need to get to effectively. Yes, sir. You got enough of your stuff to carry. But we, again, become burdened by this commitment to or feeling obligated to fix all this for these other folks. I didn't make them choices. Now, I don't mind fixing them after I get mine. But I can't get mine while I'm trying to fix yours. Mm-hmm. I didn't create those. So why is that my responsibility? You don't want to own. You want to blame the dude that left. Well, own the fact you should have married him mm. and begin to reassess that. But we'd rather do that. It's easier. It's easier to garner um, empathy when we have a story that's sad. And then if you hold somebody accountable to what they did, now you mean. Mm. You insensitive. No. I'm trying to teach you how to be in this next place. Got you. Own your own ish. Again, it, I, it, it, look, it may have been unavoidable, but still own it. Mm-hmm. 
because once you own it, no one else can use it, can hold it over your head. That's the beautiful part about freedom. You can't hold it over my head no more. Yes, sir. I think that's a really important lesson. A lot of people, especially in the African-American community, Mm -hmm. given our circumstances, how we commenced, you know, our family relationships, we need to understand, we need to digest. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can make it to the promised land, right? No, I mean, biblically, that's the case. Absolutely. Those folks walked around for 40 years in in a trip that takes 11 days. And they didn't get in for what? Their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Their lack of faith didn't take them to the promised land. Not in the access. They were right there. It was what they saw when they went in there. They said 12 spies in there. Two of them came back and said, man, it's just like God said it was. The other 10 said, man, it's giants and everybody in there. I ain't going back in there. Well, that's what you see. Perspective. Mm. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. Well, how are you going to be that way when God said, oh, that's yours? perspective how you looking at it you have a world again abundance is yours but we abuse abundance because we don't look at it in the way it needs to be looked at it's all about perspective is there a punishment for that i think you know religion would tell you so religion would tell you so the only the only punishment is is you not fulfilling the opportunity that you have you're punishing yourself more than anything the world's not punishing you see religion will have you think that oh, you're breaking god's laws you're not doing it you are going to be just cursed forever whatever mm-hmm. how can that be when grace what, what the bible says when sin abounds there much more does grace abound we got abundance of grace he said my grace is sufficient for whatever you go through paul talked about it. he says i asked the thorn to be removed three times i asked him but he said but, but it wasn't that's because my grace is sufficient you may need that to remind you of what you've been through mm. Well, no, we get, we, again, we get these, we get these narratives that dominate what we do. So we're battling that now. No, go live. But we don't want to do that. We still, because we, we are used to being governed by rules. We're led by a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we get out of that? How do we, how do we identify, okay, bro, this ain't right. Or we know it's right, but we still kind of follow it and stay in that same track, that same room. We know what we, and and when I mean right, I mean doing the the right things to get to where we want to be, right? We ignore what we're supposed to do and and use the noise to be, use use it as an excuse. So how do we ignore the noise and then, and get on track to where we're supposed to be? You ignore the noise for what you want to ignore the noise for. That's what it comes down to. So you, you think about it. What is, what, is your, what is your favorite hobby or pastime? Food? Sleep. Nothing gets in the way of that. When you want to go to sleep, you go to sleep, right? Absolutely not. I haven't even told my family that. I'm right. sleeping. Right. So the reality is nothing's going to stop me from sleeping. When you really decide that's what you want, it's not there. Most people don't know what they want. And they're living lost. L-O-S-T. Living on someone else's thoughts. They're living based on what somebody else believes in them. So they're not doing their own thing. No matter if you want it bad enough, you'll make time for it, find time for it, and get it done. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they want. They appear to, and they want to act like that because they know maybe that's the right thing to. I should have some direction right now. I should. Who said that? The world says you have. How do you know you? Who says you're supposed to have some direction right now? We have these timetables that we have been stuck to, or we have in our head that we're. I should be here by this time. I should be here by that time. Who told you that? Who said that? Where'd you get that from? And they can't tell you. Because they don't know where they got it from. They just heard it somewhere. 
Why does it have to apply to you? Understand this. The one of the wealthiest men in the world, Warren Buffett, got most of his uh, wealth after the age of 52. After 52. Not before. Mm-hmm. So you at 23 worried about where you're not yet? This dude, one of the wealthiest dudes in the world, didn't get it until after his 50s. Mm-hmm. What's the rush? Again, this impatient world we live in. When it comes down to it, I told you yesterday that if you want to change your life right now today, there's two things that anybody can do right now if they want to shift their life right now. For those of y'all listening on Instagram, number one is no emotional attachment to any outcome. And number two is no time frame things that happen. We live in a world where we got emotional attachment to everything. And we want everything yesterday. That's why you don't have it. You can't no do one emotion- without the other either. Hmm? One without the other either won't work either. No. No emotional attachment to any outcome. If all things work together for my good, why am I emotionally attached to it? It's hard, don't get me wrong, especially in relationships. It's hard to not be emotionally attached when you have when you have vested your love or your your um your emotional stake to somebody or to a to, to a to a person or to uh, an obligation, right? So it's tough, but you can't be attached to it. You can love it, but you can't be attached to it because you can't control them. But we want to. We want to be able to manipulate and control things the way we do. We can't. And then time is another one. You can't control when it happens. God has yet to work on my time. Mm. I've asked him time and time again. Still, no matter how much I ask, no matter how much I fast, no matter how much I pray, he's still going to deliver it when he wants to deliver it. Mm. So if I can if I can begin to accept his system, then I won't fight the system that I've been indoctrinated into. But here's the deal. I become proficient at the wrong stuff. So now I've got to take the time to learn the system that does work. I shared with you yesterday. When I study success, I study successful people. The Jewish culture, I've studied them for a long time. It's amazing how 2% of the people in the world can own almost every darn thing we do. When we as a minority are 13 to 14% of the population, we'd rather work for them. Perspective. In the wrong seat. But completely. I travel and I talk to young kids and I'll talk to them about this. And I say, well, how many of y'all would want LeBron's money? Or Michael's money? Or, or Kobe's money? Oh man, I love want that money. I said, well, you know what? I don't want their money. I want to be the dude that writes their check. If I can afford to pay LeBron 40 million a year, how much I got? How much money I got? If I can afford to pay you 40 million, and you're not the only one on the team. Mm. But we don't ever want to be that dude, right? When in essence, three of the wealthiest people on the planet are of black descent. Who are they? There's, there's uh, three of them. Are, all three of them in Africa. One is from uh, one telecommunications, and one is uh, precious metals, mm-hmm. and the other one, um, I'm trying to remember what he does. But three of the top five wealthiest men in the world are of color. That's insane. Of color. We don't know who they are. But they are. They're of color. Three of the three of the top five, and it used to be that way. Um, about three or four years ago now, some of these other things may have changed now, especially since what's happened over these last to create these billionaires over the last couple of years. But there are wealthy people of color that are billionaires that ain't on social media, mm. that ain't on TikTok, that not do anything. They just do their thing yeah. and making money. We don't hear about that. Yes, sir. When we look at, and again, I was, I was sharing with uh, Jarvis yesterday, in 2009. The five major sports in America all had commissioners. The NBA had David Stern. 
Baseball had Paul Tagley. I mean, football had Paul Tagley, boo. Um, hockey had Gary Bettman. Baseball had um, uh, Bud Selig. And the WNBA had Don Oren. Guess what all five of them have in common? They all Jewish. The commissioners of five major sports were all Jewish. Jewish. All of them. Dang. 14, 14 NBA teams owned by Jews. Jewish people. Yeah. 16 NFL teams owned by Jewish people. Robert Kraft that owns the uh, that owns the Patriots. Patriots. He's Jewish. So, so what, what? Arthur what, Blanks that owns the Atlanta Falcons and Home Depot. He's Jewish. He's Jewish. So what are the Jews doing that people aren't doing? What they've decided is is that we're not gonna march and tell us our Jewish lives matter. What they gonna realize to do? They gonna go out and say we just gonna go buy stuff. Mm-hmm. They make it a point that every Jewish kid is gonna go to college, and you're going to be something. So here's what they do: you're gonna go to college. And you're gonna be a mechanic. And you're gonna go to college and you're gonna have a painting body shop. And guess who's gonna do business with who? Together. Correct. I'm gonna fix them, you're gonna paint them. And we're gonna get the money from them. Why is it that the Jews have done this? And so, take it back, rewind. Five years ago, I was in Israel mm-hmm. for two weeks. And uh, I actually grew up in the, in the Jewish community mm-hmm. in Chicago, North Chicago. And early on, from the age of, I was in sixth grade, so 11, I saw this firsthand. Mm-hmm. All my friends were multi-millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. And I remember going home, walking home, just thinking to myself, I'm poor. I'm poor. My, pa- I, I'm poor. Mm-hmm. But going to Israel... Observing exactly what you just said, each individual in that society is contributing to the overall progress of that society. Correct. Like you said, someone's a mechanic, mm-hmm. someone's a banker, mm-hmm. someone's a lawyer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Why have they tackled that and executed that to the T? And the rest of us, particularly the African American community, are still lagging. That is insanity. We refuse, we refuse to work together. That is insanity to me. Now. Even go one further So it's a two part question Me and my friends Would dialogue right Me and Jarvis Me and my brother Me and my pops A lot of people Use the excuse Well you know Slavery The Jim Crow era Not I'm not discrediting that mm-hmm. So For anyone watching Don't don't play yourself Don't play me I'm not discrediting that But I think to myself What well, the Jews You know If anyone knows Any Jewish history Started from Nothing Wars were waged in their country. They've been they've rebuilt their country so many times, but yet in the 21st century, they're the leaders in technology. I was in Tel Aviv, they're the leaders in technology, Silicon Valley, Jews. Every major building, real estate owned by Jews. No question. How have they done it with no excuses and where you're still palading around, you know? Because we're still making excuses. I mean you think if you think about it this way, we we don't look at the real issues. And don't assess them to make answers. We assess them to talk about them. Mm-hmm. We don't assess them to fix them. Mm. So when you look at when you look at the the Jewish uh, population, they were the most recently persecuted people, right? Yep. So they're not. They just decided we're gonna go ahead and get this done. Yeah. The Holocaust was terrible. So was slavery. But let's look at this. History shows that about 11 million uh, people that came from Africa to become slaves. Mm-hmm. Do you realize since Roe versus Wade? There have been over 40 million aborted black babies. No, sir. 40 million. Over 40 million 
of water black babies since 1971. And 11 million slaves came over here. Where's the bigger problem? Where's the bigger issue? See, we don't, we don't really understand it. We don't understand that the governmental systems of welfare remove the father from the home because you can't get the check if the father's in the house. Mm-hmm. So now you're complaining about no men being around, but you but you're on the system. Money. What are we doing? Get off the system. The man can be around. But now you're talking about how sorry men are. So here's what happens. Now men believe they're sorry. And now they're being talked to in a certain way, which creates emasculation. So I've got a world full of emasculated men walking around in here. And ladies, the same way, ain't no good men out here. We've created that. Mm. What the, what the Jewish population decided to do was find ownership opportunities when we were looking for working opportunities. When you look at our history, just like you said, you cannot deny what happened. But if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It says love is slow to anger. Love is not both. It says love keeps no record of wrongdoing. If we're still talking about what happened 40 years ago, we still keeping a record of what I'm doing? Absolutely. So, so don't ask why we're not there. We're not doing the stuff. Yeah. I don't think the Jewish community is holding any animosity towards Germans. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not, that's not where they are. They're like, that happened. It was bad. We're going to get it in. We have to decide that that's what we're going to do. How can we're we change that? On. How can we change but that? We're, we're, st- we're still holding on to all Correct. Stuff. Emotion. We're still holding on no to that question. stuff. That stuff happened. I mean, it happened. Me, none, sitting here, none of that happened to us. Nope. And we're still holding on to it. Mm-hmm. We can't control that that stuff happened, but we're still holding on to it like it happened to us. I understand if it, if it happened to you and yogurt, but it ain't happened to you. So you're using that as an excuse to do something today. Mm-hmm. Or well, not do something today. Or yes. not. Now... I'm going to play devil's advocate. Please do. And then I'll ask you, you know, in five minutes to tell us how to fix this or what you think we can, what steps we can take to fix this. For the folks on the adversary side, you were saying, yes, it didn't happen to me directly, but indirectly it did. The reforms that were in place, the Jim Crow era. No question. The fact that I don't have a dad, not me personally, the fact that so-and-so doesn't have a dad in the house to teach him how to be a man. The, so, the fact that, you know, so-and-so at 16 years old, his parents are using his social security number to build credit. Right. So by the time he's 18, his credit is messed up. Yeah, no doubt. He's, he's seen all these bills, light bills, Jay, what? That's not, that's, not, that's not me. I don't even know what this stuff is. So, so for those on the opposing side who might look at this episode or hear this conversation and find offense, they're saying, yeah, it didn't happen to me directly, but indirectly it still did because it's affected me. What do you say to that? Here's what I would say to him. I would say own your stuff. And, here, and I'm, here's what I mean by that. Has anybody ever had that happen to them and overcome it? Absolutely. Then you have no excuse. It was done by one person. It can be done by you have a perspective that that has hindered you. If there's been one person that has ever overcome the odds, the adversity that you saying you're facing, then it can be done. You have a reason for not doing it. I can't fix that for you. Mm-hmm. If nobody's ever done it, then I see it. Do, do you know who Roger Bannister is? No, sir. You know who Roger Bannister is? Roger Bannister was the first man to break the four-minute mile. Nobody believed that a person could run a mile in under four minutes. The, the year Roger Bannister broke it, 13 other people broke it right after him. But up until that point. Nobody didn't think it could be done. The power of one. 
Once somebody does it, once it can be done, I told you yesterday, the only thing I didn't believe I would see in my lifetime was a black president. For the same reason that you said. Systems, the way things are, the, 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 the actual numbers of human beings. 60% of America is either Anglo or white. 13% is black. If we just do the numbers, if they vote a color the whole way, we ain't got no chance. Yeah. Mathematically, that ain't, it's, mathematically, it can't happen. No, but it did. So now, what can I do? You There's no nothing excuse. I can't do. Yeah. There's nothing I can't do. When you're talking about the holding on to, and I know what happened to you, again, if you are willing to allow the adversity to be the limitation that you put on yourself, I can't help you. Did it happen to you? Yes, you cannot ignore us. So why I said, own where you are today. No excuse, no explanation. If that's the case, Mr. Grayson, give us a three-step process for the African-American community saying, hey, use the Jews as an example. How do we, whether it's systematically, individually, collectively as a group, how do we fix and migrate from where we are at the current level to where we need to be? Maybe uh, on a similar level as the Jews. I'll give you five steps because it's sir. in my book. I'll great. give you five steps. Five is a biblical number. Great. Plug, plug your book. Yeah, in. plug your book in. Right, sir. So do positive. Do positive. Just because the keys to the life you've always imagined. So I've got that book. I've got six books. I did maintaining greatness with Les Brown. Les Brown, the great uh, Les okay. Brown was the forward to that book. And then obviously I did one for, for athletes called Your Second Half. Okay. I'll give you five steps. And number one, we've already heard. Own where you are today. No excuses. No explanation. That's the first step. Number two, living in the present moment. Living today, not 400 years ago, not last week, not yesterday, living today, an intentional act to make today better. We don't do that. We're still worrying about what happened last week or what's going to happen two weeks from now. Mm. Live today. Be present. That begins to change it because you can't change what happened in the past and you really can't know what's going to happen in the future. I can only know what's going to happen right now. So that's number two, living in the present moment. Number three, I got to operate in agape. I've got to live an unconditional loving life, which means I have to forgive seven times 70. I have to have a grace and extend grace. I've got to have this unconditional approach to life. It's where I have to be. I can't use conditional. I can't use conditional attributes and want unconditional Results. Opportunity. I can't. I can't do it. But what else we do is conditioned. I'll do this if. I'll do this when. Mm. I'll do this only. But that, no. Mm. You can't be all in if it's conditional. Agape. Unconditional. That's all in. I'm all in with love, with forgiveness, with everything. I've got to be that person. I got to be all in. Number four, find the good in everything. No matter what you do in life, no matter what happens, find the good in it. That's the toughest thing for people to do. Mm. Well, this tragedy has happened. Find the good in. I don't want to. Again, your choice. But you got to find the good in because it happened. How do I do? How do I find the good in that? How do I find what came what came out of slavery? What redefined it? What 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 changed? What did what what happened? What am I able to do now? What am I happy about? Now? Well, I got to find the good in what's going on with this pandemic. I mean, people dying. Well, there's 99.9 percent .9 of people that are still living. But what do we want to look at? Which one do we want to look at? Stop. <laughs> I mean, come on, make up your mind how you want to see it. <laughs> You're right. Find the good in everything. I mean, but but what if that was my relative, though? And, and maybe, but here's the deal. If it wasn't a the pandemic, they died in a car crash. They still... Dang. Come on. Let, there goes that perspective. Correct. It's just the reality. The Bible says appointed to one man that died in the judgment. Right. We're all going to get out of here. There is no getting out of this alive. Right. I just want y'all to know that. There is no getting out of here alive, right? right? So, again, did it happen to people? Yes. But if you look at the statistics with it, the majority of people that have died during this pandemic, 
usually have some level of premorbidity, some pre-existing condition. Whether it be COPD, diabetes, hypertension, something has attributed to the weakening or lessening of your own immune system. Yeah. How about, just a thought, enhance your immune system. Boost the heck out of that. 85% of people that contract the coronavirus are vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D is $11 at Costco. Go put some vitamin D in. I'm saying it may not fix it, but it'll definitely change your chances. Mm. But let's look at your diet. I can tell you where you're not, where you need to be. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So find the good and everything. And number five, leave a legacy. See, we don't do anything to leave for anybody. We want to spend it up before we go. We only, I ain't leaving nothing for them sergeant. How many of y'all know people like that? Yeah. Now, I ain't leaving nothing for these crazy jokers. I'm, I'm spending all mine with me. Hey, listen, and it's mostly in our community too. Correct. Because I told you yesterday, we literally have a mantra of symbolism over substance. Yep. Can you go through the hood and find nice cars with no furniture? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Symbolism over substance, right? The Jews aren't that way. They even joke. People even joke about how cheap Jews are. Yeah. They do that. And Jewish people are cheap, but this the mindset that's been attributed to their disciplined way of finances. Mm -hmm. If you read The Millionaire Next Door, mm -hmm. The Millionaire Next Door talks about wealthy people driving a car 10 years younger than the current year. Yeah. So it's 2021. Wealthy people are driving 2011s. Pay for 2011s. Not us. We want a 2025 Tesla. Nah. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. Again, it's back to perspective. Yeah. We worried about what they say. Yeah. And again, you had to grow through and learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling you if you have it and you choose to do it, don't do it. Go mm -hmm. do what you want to do. I'm talking about perspective. What are you teaching? That's the thing. What do you really, what part of this legacy, because you're going to leave one regardless. Mm -hmm. So what part of this legacy is going to be able to be duplicated? What part of this legacy do people want to really model? Mm -hmm. And what the Jewish community has done is they put a plan together that they don't mind replicating. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, when you're talking about the Jewish people you were around, did they ever withhold information from you? Never. They would tell you in a heartbeat what they're doing. Yes, sir. We don't want to tell nobody nothing. I see memes all the time that I think are the dumbest darn memes in the world. Man, do what you do in silence so people don't know what you're doing. That's the that's the way we think. Scarcity stuff. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. But sometimes in our community, because people are not necessarily happy for you, sometimes you got to do that. But his deal, Brian, Brendan Bouchard said this one day. He said, you know why I tell everybody what I'm about to do? So everybody's going to hold me accountable. Mm. They can come back and say, hey, why haven't well, you done you this? You said yet? you want to do this. What happened? Yeah. We don't want we don't want to tell people because when we fail, we don't want nobody to know. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't mind telling folk what I'm doing because mm. I don't live in scarcity. Mm. Man, he might steal your idea. That's because you don't operate in abundance. <laughs> mm. Man, I got a, I got an idea for a fast food restaurant. It's called Chick-fil-A. Oh, but it's on the same street as McDonald's and Burger King and some, everybody can get their piece. Yeah. Chick-fil-A ain't worried about McDonald's. And vice versa. And who running things? Chick-fil-A, the only drive-thru I know that's backed up in every city. Yeah, yeah. In every city. And True Kathy is a Christian. From day one, closed on Sunday. Yeah. And Monday through Saturday, you can't even get in a... And what they do, customer service. The reason people go to Chick-fil-A, customer service. Yeah. They love being served a certain way. Mm -hmm. Empower your legacy. Serve your legacy a certain way. Yes, sir. Give them what they need. Don't worry about it. You can't take none of it with you anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, as we're wrapping this up, for those who may have just been zooming in at the last minute, 
give us three recaps to what you want people to take from this episode and implement in their lifestyle. Just three quick key points, three three key recaps. Own your stuff. Mm-hmm. Life is about results and restarts. And no emotional attachment to the outcome and no time for everything to happen. That's beautiful. The simplest, the simplest formula for you to have a life like nobody else. Yes, sir. You know, Mr. Grayson, this was powerful. I think we all needed this. And Jarvis and I are pretty sure you'll probably be a regular on the show. At least <laughs> come good. back, come it's back once a month to just motivate us and shift us in the right perspective. It's all good. You know, and Jarvis, you know, we, what we always say on this podcast. Hey, we always tell people, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. There it is. Yes, sir. Thank you.